the whole ecosystem within the airport world has really been turned on its head. We've decided to kind of take something to the market as opposed to wait for the market to come back to us. We're well into the six figures in terms of sales. Welcome to Add to Cart, the podcast that Express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of e-commerce. Every month, Nathan Bush from 12 High and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Hello there and welcome to the Add to Cart podcast. My name is Nathan Bush, host of Add to Cart and strategist at e-commerce consultancy 12 High. In today's episode, we are going behind the scenes with Brisbane Airport Corporation. And what's that got to do with retail, I hear you ask? Well, they got hit with 96% fall in foot traffic almost overnight due to COVID-19, but they responded by building an online store in 16 days with $400 that's now doing six figures. Joining me today to tell the story of that is Mike Doyle, who is the Head of Consumer Marketing at Brisbane Airport Corporation. Previous to this, Mike was Head of Marketing at Surf and Streetwear Retailer, City Beach, He takes us behind the scenes to share how they came up with the idea, the technology that they're using, and the results that they're seeing so far. It's a fantastic story for those considering spinning up their first shop in response to COVID-19, or even for seasoned retailers who are looking to simplify and accelerate. So, thanks to our partners Shopify Plus and Klarna, let's dive straight into the Brisbane Airport Corporation story with Mike Doyle. Mike Doyle, welcome to Add to Cart. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. Now, we knew each other when you were last at City Beach and you're now over at Brisbane Airport Corporation doing some exciting stuff. How's the transition been for you? Well, I have to say I started at an airport and I've uh, I've seen the evolution to something that probably resembles less what you would expect an airport to be doing, but the trans- transition has been uh, been different but uh, but exciting nonetheless. And somehow you've ended up firmly back in the retail space. I know. I've done everything I can to avoid it, but here I am. So I think uh, there's a certain degree of magnetism that comes with that space. But yeah, it's certainly certainly been um, a wild ride for the last the last month. Um, And and to to put that into perspective for for those who are living under a rock, the 12th of March, we announced a new flight uh, in partnership with Virgin that was going to fly out of Brisbane to Haneda, which is in Japan. And then three days later, Qantas suspended all their flights domestically and a significant portion of their, of their domestic flights. And then Virgin followed suit. And then just in the news yesterday, they've now filed for, um, for Chapter 11. So they've got uh, the administrators coming in, kind of going through their books and trying to, to refocus their, their efforts uh, in hopes to, to keep them alive and pumping for the future. So, I mean, it's quite amazing to think that um, the whole ecosystem within the airport world has really been turned on its head because of a lack of passengers and, and no one's been spared, but you know, here we are trying to make the best of a bad situation. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like you've been hammered from all angles, really, on this, and that there's no escaping it um, from an airport perspective. What we're here to talk about today is how you're um, an initiative that you've you've um, led with your team to help your retailers. So it's been remarkable what I've heard about so far in how quickly um, and how agile you've been in developing this solution. So we're going to dive into that a little bit more today. But before we do, can you give our listeners just a little bit of an overview of the retail footprint um, at Brisbane Airport Corporation and um, the impacts that you saw 
immediately following uh, the onset of COVID-19? For sure. So um, Brisbane Airport is the third largest airport in Australia, servicing around, I'm going to call it 25 million passengers. Um, and that's across both the international and domestic terminal. So it's quite a, quite a large um, undertaking. And there's a lot of other things that happen in and around the airport that don't have anything to do directly with aviation. But the, the thing that kind of most people would be aware of and is probably the most topical is the things that have, have to do with airplanes and passengers. So the retail footprints are around 85 tenants. That includes food and beverage and retail. So there's, there's quite a mix of different people in, in both the domestic and international terminals. There's quite a few more tenants within the domestic terminal, but um, overall kind of they, they all sit in a very similar, in a similar situation in that, you know, they, they all derive their revenue from people coming through the airport in order for them to get on an airplane and go to local or international destinations. So what we saw and, and what we're experiencing is pretty much a, a, at this point about a 96% drop in uh, volume through the airport. So what that looks like is the, the, the airport still operates um, and it's still remarkable just how many people are coming and going. And we, we do service quite a bit of re- repatriation flights. We've got a, quite a few other flights um, going out to service things like the mining communities, but they've been quite quick to adapt and increase um, the volume of flights to service the same number of passengers in order to facilitate distancing from, uh, from each other. So, I mean, the airport is still functioning. And probably if we were to compare what the airport from a retail and a food and beverage perspective looks like as in contrast to something like a Westfield or maybe a ch- typical shopping center, it's still a vibrant place, um, but it's just nowhere near. It just, just doesn't look the same as it used to. I suppose you've got a different type of visitor uh, or, or a different type of shopper in the airport at the moment than what you would normally have, even if you're still retaining 4% of those people. They're, they're kind of not your key shoppers, are they? No, they're not. And I think that the the um, the whole experience is just a very different one for them. So, you know, that that's part of the consideration for us. But, yeah, I, I think the reality is that what we realized was not, not through contractual obligation, but more just as part of our conversation with our tenants in, in hopes of providing them with a certain level of, you know, care and compassion through these times. We realized quite quickly that, um, you know, our, our kind of unspoken duty is to provide them with the passengers. And in times when there's no passengers, you know, it, no one would probably question us just saying, oh, well, you know, we'll wait and we'll do nothing until the passengers come back. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some airports and some smaller ones within you know, the Queensland area and kind of even even beyond that have decided just to, to cease operations until things return to more normal times. That's not something that we have ever entertained. Um, so in light of that and in light of the sort of entrepreneurial spirit of my boss and our CEO, we've decided to kind of take something to the market as opposed to wait for the market to come back to us. And, and in terms of that relationship with your retailers, is it set up like um, a typical arrangement with a shopping centre in terms of uh, the rental arrangements and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, it's not too dissimilar. Obviously, each one of the rental agreements and, and the kind of the process that we go through is is unique to each one of the tenants because that's kind of the nature of our business. But yeah, it's not too dissimilar. There, there are some commercial agreements which kind of outline the operating parameters and, and because of the security and a few other factors that are are fairly unique to the airport, those arrangements kind of go a little bit deeper than maybe, you know, Westfield. There's a whole bunch of other factors that, that a Westfield doesn't have to contend with. Yeah. 
Um, but you know, it, it's not too dissimilar if you were to kind of try and find something analogous to what we do. It was unique to each one of the tenants because that's kind of the nature of our business. But yeah, it's not too dissimilar. There, there are some commercial agreements which kind of outline the operating parameters and, and because of the security and a few other factors that are are fairly unique to the airport, those arrangements kind of go a little bit deeper than maybe, you know, Westfield. There's a whole bunch of other factors that, that a Westfield doesn't have to contend with. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's not too dissimilar if you were to kind of try and find something analogous to what we do. It would, be, it would definitely be something like a, a, shop, a shopping center like Westfield. Awesome. Okay. So I think that's a really great initiative in that instead of just putting your hands up in the air and going, hey, we've lost 96% of our customers, be like, how can we help these guys? So tell us about that process of going from realizing there's a problem um, to come on, coming up with a solution really quickly. Yeah, well, I think it's kind of, it's a story that you probably couldn't have written. So um, my general manager, Martin Ryan, was scheduled for a long overdue holiday at the beginning of all these troubles. So he decided to, to quickly you know, just go off for a few days. He got caught um, in what is, as one of the first people that had to self-quarantine on his return. So he cut his holiday significantly short. So I'm talking, he basically got on a plane. Things went from relatively normal to, to shut down mode uh, within the airline industry quite quickly. So he basically turned around at the airport and got back on a plane. Um, the result of which was he was stuck at home in quarantine for 14 days while we were still working out of the office. Um, so during that time, he obviously turned to the internet, as many of us do, in, in, in probably a more productive way than some, and did a bit of online shopping. And I think that it's a testament to a lot of the online retailers that exist right now, because he had a really pleasant experience with all of those. And kind of in talks, because we are always in chats with our tenants, um, brought, raised the idea with our duty-free operator that um, maybe we could help out with producing some sort of online solution for them. Because as you would imagine, the the hardest hit in the early days of this was our international terminal and the duty-free operator, you know, as the name would suggest, is probably, you know, entirely tied to that terminal in that, you know, international flights are the only ones that qualify for duty-free purchasing. So he had a chat with the principal actor within the duty-free space um, and they hatched a bit of a plan uh, for us to, to try something for them. And that was basically uh, the remit that I was given and my team was tasked with coming up with a solution to help our duty-free operator. But yeah, he, he sort of, he stretched the friendship a little bit and suggested that we've got all of these other tenants that are also going to be potentially impacted by this. And again, this is early days. So this is when we were still sitting in an in, in office with a significant portion of our traveling audience still coming through the terminals. Mm-hmm. He said, listen, you know, a bit of a bit of visionary moments like the, the, we don't know where this is going to stop. So you have to kind of consider what this looks like. Um, if we were to continue moving into a space where fewer and fewer passengers were coming through the terminal. So Martin handed me a bit of a, a brief, which was come up with something um, that kind of matches the experience that I've had. Um, and I basically turned to my team and we're not talking like a, a large group of highly skilled developers that do this day in, day out. Ashley, who works for me, she has done a couple of small e-commerce sites on Shopify for some some of her friends, basically some some artists that have done really great art and a few other people that she knows. And then there we had the obviously the team that traditionally manages the marketing for the two terminals. Um, and then a couple of other people, uh, one that managed all of the marketing for our parking, which, uh, as you can imagine, has been 
affected significantly by the number of people that are not coming to the airport. So it was a, a, a band of merry men and, well, mostly ladies, to be <laughs> honest, um, that kind of pulled together. And within a few days uh, on Shopify, uh, we were able to come up with a, a solution in, in a functioning one at that. So it's a real testament to Shopify and, and their ability to provide a fairly robust platform onto which you know an idea can spring forth. Um, we spent a few more days just kind of looking at some of the tools that they offer in contrast to my experience when we were at City Beach with some of the enterprise solutions that we were dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, the Shopify experience was, you know, uh, and it's kind of a little bit hard to wrap your head around, but for for those who are kind of uninitiated in this space, basically the, the benefit of the platform for us was that we could select a, a customer experience that we wanted to have. And then we went shopping through the apps to find one that suited what we were looking for, as opposed to the other way, which is more typical for for large organization like ours, which is you design a workflow and a series of gates and you know integrations and all sorts of complexities in order for you to have some sort of output, and then you look at the at that output and say, is that good enough or not? Yeah. So, so it's a really it's it was a really big shift for those people kind of sitting on the periphery saying, well, mm. we need to have design documents. We have to put this all together and, you know, <clears throat> and all this kind of stuff. It's like, well, no, we've already just, we've selected the $9 a month app uh, and we've, <laughs> we've turned that on, have a look and see if it does what we want. So was the case of you like literally getting your credit card out and like yeah, putting but, your credit card details in? Yeah, it was exactly right. So it was, it was, uh, you know, as, as, uh, as quick and dirty as you could possibly imagine but yeah. you know the benefit is that the tool itself is so so tidy and, and takes care of all of those little niggly bits that traditionally keep uh, people up at mm-hmm. night Klarna recently conducted a study of Australian shoppers they found that 40% are more likely to shop with a retailer who offer flexible payment options such as letting people pay in installments and it makes sense right in today's unpredictable economy, empowering customers with financial choice is critical to maximizing your online sales. To read more about this research and understand how you can offer Klarna's payment options, download the free report, The Empowerment Economy from Klarna. Visit klarna.com.au forward slash empower. So we pivoted pretty quickly, as I said, from kind of selling um, you know items within a terminal and, and supporting our parking public as they came and went from the airport into an e-commerce uh, solution provider. So within a few days, we had uh, what I would su- suggest is an MVP. And then we waited for our partner to put together some of the basics around their product. We had some samples loaded. We did a few test orders. We um, we called our friends at ShipIt, who are, are our local Australian success story in a crew that I had previously worked with. Before we get too much into the solution, because I'm really, really keen to get into um, how you put all this together, were there any other solutions that you put together as a team that you thought, because I'd love to know a little bit more about why you went from marketplace instead of um, more of a traditional retail model. Um, and we've also seen people like Westfield implement their click and collect options to support their food and beverage uh, retailers. Was there any other solutions that you went around before you landed on this marketplace concept? And, and why did you go marketplace other rather than a straightforward re- retail solution? It's a good question. So, so to put some things aside, so re- re- realistically, we could have gone for an e-commerce solution, just a straight up and down, you know, here's the stuff we can sell. The problem is that 
with a multi-tenant and uh, tentative <laughs> Canadian vessel with a bunch of people that, that sell things. The, the challenge really is that if we were going to try um, and design what is a typical e-commerce solution, so, you know, one one set of products, you know, from one place, we wouldn't be able to cater for the, the various needs that we have across the network. So, you know, the, the, the multi-vendor marketplace is probably the only solution, at least from my perspective, that suited this. Now, it's not to say that, uh, let's put it this way, there, there was some robust conversation about whether that was the right approach. Um, mm. I feel that we have kind of landed on the right solution. It's yet to fully prove itself the correct decision. So I may end up uh, falling on my sword when it comes to that. But as far as I'm concerned, what we've got is 85, you know, around 85 tenants, mm. each one of which sells a, a remarkable, remarkably different set of of things, you know, some are, are food and beverage operators and other ones are, are, um, you know, selling Ugg boots and some are selling iPhones. So I think that the suggestion that, you know, we had some sort of shop that made sense to a customer w- was a bit far-fetched. You know, if you came yeah. and you tried to buy a pair of Ugg boots and an iPhone, you, under normal circumstances, you'd think we'd be schizophrenic. So, um, mm. I think the idea of a marketplace kind of bears out pretty quickly in terms of just, you know, when you start to see the, the range of things that we're going to sell. Yep. And also the the fact that we've got so many vendors that we need to cater for. So I think that's a, that kind of, that kind of feels right. Now, again, whether that's right in the long term, we've yet to see. The um, other question in, in terms of, you know, looking at the likes of Westfield and their click and collect solution, I'm, I'm immensely impressed with that. I, I think it's just such a fabulous initiative and, and it's such a, a testament to those guys over there that they were able to pivot and get something up really quickly. I don't know how long they were working on that and if it was something they had had in the works before. But you know, regardless of that, I think it's it's really slick. If no one if you haven't tried it, mm-hmm. I haven't, but if you haven't gone on and had a play, it's really cool. Like I think it's awesome. Yes, and you know, hats off to them. And I and you know, I'll certainly be calling my friends over there to see if there's any learnings that we can have uh, from that when we start to look at our food and beverage offerings. It's a bit of a different scenario, and I think that the location that most Westfields are in caters more for that yeah. um, than it does at the airport. In that, you know, it's usually in a high traffic area, and it's kind of thing that's part of a community. We're kind of on the periphery of a community. We're kind of one. It's more of a destination than it is something that you might pass on your way home from work. But I think like. Oh, uh, I like goosebumps on the back of my neck when I think about like, <laughs> that. That is an initiative I think super cool, and it, and it and it kind of bears out in terms of the idea that you know in times of crisis, like you know you have to you have to push yourself into spaces because again, I don't think that anyone would have batted an eye if Westfield had said, "Listen, guys, really sorry, food and beverage operators, mm. you know you can do takeaway, but we have no way of getting people in and out of the shopping center without breaching some rules." We'll come back to you. We'll give you some some of your rent back, and you know we'll pause operations until things get better. Like talk about you know having some yeah. hard conversations. I'm sure on that side and saying, listen, we just got to try something to support these guys. And I Absolutely. think it's it's not not to not to put aside the fact that Brisbane Airport, much like any Westfield, is part of a community, and and to kind of turn your back on that community, especially you know for for uh, for food and beverage like. There are some people that that may actually be really kind of reliant on the idea of, of food being picked up or dropped off. Mm. For us, you know, we're we're looking into the future, and there there are some things like that we've already seen a huge run on um, earphones. 
So yeah. we, we obviously have our tech up and live right now. And we're almost sold out of every pair of earphones you can imagine mm. because with everybody working from home and potentially jumping on the uh, Add to Cart podcast to, to try and um, oh, navigate through. Millions, millions of people. Yeah, you're so, you're going to be yeah. overrun. Yeah. So I think that the reality is that, you know, people are working in ways that they hadn't in realizing that, you know, some of the technology that they would typically go to a local shop to buy is just not available because of so many people looking for it. So there's a whole range of things that we've noticed. Um, We've been able to supply the local community that just weren't available. And are you charging your tenants to participate like as in a percentage cut in the marketplace or is it kind of a value add to support them through this time as rental part of their rental agreement so the the rental agreements and all of the facilities that we had in arrangement with these tenants um and at this point again it's only one but we had to kind of we had to reevaluate all of that so basically all of those things are kind of paused um and that's basically so that they could survive and also try and make it through this so we weren't you know we're not we're not trying to to benefit from, you know, this situation in any way. So the, the commercial agreement that we've got right now doesn't cover our costs. Um, and yeah. that was, that was basically to just make sure that we could prove that the system will work and that we have something viable. I think that over time we have to look at it. And, and as the market starts to, um, gain some confidence with us as a, as a retailer, we'll probably start to look at that right now. It's, it's not kind of a commercially, um, mm. focused thing and, and, Really, it's about trying to keep a whole bunch of people in a job. I think internally, we've got 25 people across risk and compliance and legal and a bunch of other other parts of the the, the, um, the airport working. We've got our latte duty-free guys. They've got a whole bunch of people that are helping with product and their buyers are back mm. in the office doing some things. And they've got a whole bunch of people on boots on the ground helping picking and packing. So, I mean, from a, from a, a, a top-level perspective, we've kind of we've hit the goal in terms of supporting the community and, and offering some yeah. care and compassion to those who are affected. And then, you know, as things start to pick up, I think we'll probably have to look at that, but you know, we're, we're not trying to be predatory. That's for sure. Mm. No, really smart, really smart. Um, and sorry, one more question around the solution and then let's get into actually how you put this thing together in terms of duty free. So obviously that's a huge driver when people are taking international holidays, it makes the items cheaper. Um, how does that translate to online when people can't sh- can't travel like in terms of a um, value proposition does the duty free part of it just get dropped and you just compete purely on price like you would against it say you take those headphones for example you're just competing against the jb hi-fi yeah so so unfortunately and and trust me we we had lots of exploratory chats around how we could maintain a duty-free offering despite yeah you know the government wanting their money but they're they're quite uh deliberate in in their (laughs) actions so yeah, unfortunately, we had to add all the duty back in, which is which is actually the principal delay. So we turned the site around in 16 days from concept into a full full blown first order, mm. um, and I would say that half of those days were take, taken up by the back and forth around trying to arrange the product, um, yep. which you know is nothing compared to the logistical nightmare that comes after someone's ordered something. But mm-hmm. the the reality is that yeah, the, all of the things that we're selling have the duty reapplied. Yeah. Um, but because Latte Duty Free as an operator is, is quite a substantial operator, they obviously have pricing that kind of matches JB Hi-Fi in some cases. And in, in other cases, what they've done is they've just had some some pretty hard conversations internally around what their margin looks like. 
So mm. we, we as a, as a group kind of came together to support, but yeah, I don't think anyone's going to come out of this with, you know, an extra few million dollars in a, in a huge number of percentages on their profit line at the end of it. Um, that's not kind yeah. of the goal at this stage. They've got to put it in perspective, they've got around 17 million. So seven zero million dollars worth of stock. Um, mm. So it's it's a big holding, and it's not to say that some of that stuff doesn't make more sense to hold on to than try and sell off. So it's not a fire sale by any stretch, but I think that they're conscious that part of the sale of an item includes the effort that goes into it, and that's that's a good good thing to keep people employed and engaged. Absolutely. So you've you've got this team together. You've got your mission um, from your GM. Um, you really want to support your your retailers um, that are in the airport that have seen ninety six percent of customers fall away. Um, you've got your team that you know coming from a city beach background. These guys might not be kind of retailers at heart. Um, you've got a really great marketing team, um, and, and they know airports inside and out. But they're def- definitely not e commerce experts, let alone um, in retail day in day out. Um, where do you start with the solution? Do you start with the, obviously you've got duty free on board. Do you start with the product or do you start with the platform in Shopify? Um, well, we didn't have much choice. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we had, we had a pretty clear idea of, the, of what the first products were going to be because that was kind of the, the catalyst for the, the site to, to happen in the first place. So we knew that we were going to get a selection of product from our duty free operator. Um, the constitution of which we knew was going to be technology. So um, that was kind of the the beginning and the end of the conversation around product. Now, traditionally, yeah. under normal circumstances, you would probably have a bit of a think about the kind of audience you'd be selling to and, and start to walk through the kinds of products you'd put on the site and the pricing and the, the approach you'd take with marketing. So what we ended up having to do just kind of because of the circumstances was we knew that we were going to be selling technology and we needed, we knew we needed to do this quickly. So, you know, the, the press for time was probably one of the, one of the key decision makers in this as much as it was a silent one. So, you know, you, you rattle off all of the possible options you've got when it comes to platform selection. Um, And, you know, there, there are a few standouts and, you know, Shopify was definitely the one that came up also because we had some internal capabilities, but to answer your question, it was platform first, product second. Um, yeah, cool. in, in kind of a weird way, in that we kind of knew what we were getting, but it's not like we laid out the site um, in a way that would cater mm-hmm. more for technology than anything else. Makes sense. And had you personally used Shopify before? Uh, to say that I have would be an overstretch. Um, <laughs> I have to admit that I'm, I'm not the kind of like a super hands-on guy when it comes to some of these technologies. My, my uh, days of getting into the system and having a player are, um, are numbered in terms of just, I, it hasn't been something that I've been able to spend, but I, I do wish I could. And I think that it's from what I've understood in, in the little dabbles I've had, it's extremely easy. So I don't think that it would be too hard yeah. for me, but I think that maybe my, my time is better spent um, in other places than kind of diving into the, the actual nuts and bolts of the sand pit. Um, yeah, but yeah, the, uh, the, the things that guys are surfacing are, are, you know, I don't think that it would take me more than a couple of days to figure out exactly how to do it. Yeah, no, I think it's just remarkable to um, get your perspective on it as a relatively uh, someone who's really experienced in e-commerce and has used big e-commerce systems before, and now being able to launch something like Marketplace on a platform like Shopify for nine dollars a month um, is very different to your city beach days, right? 
Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we're, <laughs> it, it, you really probably couldn't get to to further example, like too further away. Like they're polar opposites in terms of the approach that we took here. So yeah, it's you know, it's it is a very it's a stark yeah. contrast. But I also think that the entire world is moving away from the kind of enterprise bloated, you know, put a CD in your CD drive and load up a website style mm-hmm. on prem hot mess. I, I, I think those, those days are numbered in terms of what that looks like. So I think that yeah. anyone that's not considering a SaaS platform like Shopify is probably head in the sand at this point. Cool. And so we've got our Shopify platform set up. We're paying our $9 a month. You've got your team onto it. Like you said, you've got some people in your team who have done smaller sites um, on Shopify before. So you've got the capability within the team to spin up a basic site. Um, I guess the next question then becomes, how do we get all this product into the site? Um, how do you manage both getting the product over from duty free, but also keeping track of the inventory between the two? Because like you said, there's a hell of a lot of inventory there. Yeah. So we, we took advantage of some of, of the apps that are just, you know, readily available for clicking on within Shopify. Um, in one, in the name escapes me, but it's basically just able to ingest an Excel document, um, in, in kind of a, a live way. The, the one benefit we've got, and, you know, this will change, and it's one of those kind of things that we need to start planning for, is that we're, we're not um, in competition for the stock. So it's not like we're, we've got two outlets trying to sell one item um, yep. and the kind of complexities that start to get thrown when you've got that um, in the mix. So when our duty-free operator starts to come back up online, you know, if, if there is if there's a contest for, you know, the last five iPhones, um, there are some, some real things that we need to have a conversation about in terms of what that looks like. So I'm, I'm not blind to the fact that we're probably in a bit of a privileged position in that, you know, remarkably because they're not trading out of the terminal, we have this Mm -hmm. clean inventory, uh, that's not being sold out from under us. So we're not kind of having these failure to fulfill experiences where someone goes to a pick location and the item is gone because someone else has picked it up and sent it off or bought it off the shelf. So we're kind of in a, in a, our, our retailers are kind of a warehouse right now and they're not necessarily yeah. selling that stuff out. Um, and also there's an awful lot of it with them. So I don't know that we are, we're super concerned, although we have run out of iPhones. So if you were, Thinking about buying one at, at a at a good discount on the site, you're you're you've missed your opportunity. Um, yeah, I, I totally but, yeah. you though because I'm working at the moment um, with a large omnichannel retailer and rolling out a big project, and we have now had the scope change that it's e-commerce only, and just the amount of complexity that goes out of the window once you take omnichannel out of it, and then it becomes oh. a pure play e-commerce. It's a totally different game, right? Different game, and and, and I remember like going on to panels with pure play online retailers and like they're talking about these initiatives and they just can't believe that uh, uh, when we were, when I was at city beach, just how, how slowly we were reacting. It's like, well, at city beach, we had 70 physical stores, um, which accounted for a, a large percentage of the overall volume of product being sold, which meant that at any given time, if I was selling across the iconic Amazon, eBay, our store and a physical store, um, you had five different channels competing mm-hmm. for potentially one product. And unless that product was sat in a store, um, it could be in transit. It could be in, in any other, a myriad of a myriad states. So yeah, I, I <laughs> congratulations <laughs> on moving away from a <laughs> channel, but um, well, yeah, I think that those are, those are real 
real painful points. And, you know, not to say that we nailed it, but there are some really, some really cool, there's some really cool tech and some really just like simple solutions mm. to, to make that pain a little bit more reasonable. I know that RFID, you know, just takes a lot of the pain away, but it's a bit costly and it's a bit of a mind shift for a lot of people, but being able to scan your store at the end of the night and just know exactly how many products you've got in it to, you know, yeah. greater or lesser degree and some sort of accuracy, like stock take is, is an instant thing. Yeah. That's a game changer, but you know, only selling from one warehouse is like, oh, it's a dream come true. Exactly. Oh, I love Omni channel. I can't wait for the stores to open back up and they will obviously. Um, but in terms of simplicity, oh, easy done. Um, yeah. So then if we, if we go away from product and inventory and we've got the Excel spreadsheet that's coming straight into Shopify, can I assume with payments that you're using Shopify payments to keep it simple? Yep. No, exactly right. So, I mean, you can do the math on that uh, at some point and figure out if there's another solution for you. But, you know, for simplicity's sake, and, and it's a relatively cheap solution given kind of what we're looking at at the moment. So, you know, just keep it all simple and straightforward. You, you kind of take a box and you're away. Um, yep. There are some other complexities around trying to get alternative payment methods integrated. So there's some some things from a finance perspective that we're still kind of jumping through. Um, you know, my friends at Afterpay will will delight in the idea yeah. that you know having more <laughs> more people on their products um, is is kind of you know certainly a thing. I'm sure that they're 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 not shy, but you know coming and, to the table just, and suggesting just a thing. Just between you and me, Klan is also a great product. Yeah, well, I think we we need to. Like, yeah, listen, there, there's we've got some options, so we'll talk. But I think, um, you know, I think there's a lot of really cool things that are floating around that that you know, you just take a box and you've got a solution. Now, whether whether over time we need to change some of those solutions, um, you know, it, it's probably fairly reasonable to think that some are suited to certain parts of this project, and then you know, much like yeah. a startup, you kind of go through cycles and find something that may suit you better or the needs change to your point. You know, the, the brief might shift a little bit and we need to untick one box and tick another one. But at this point, you know, Shopify's catered for all of our needs and we're just kind of having some chats around the side around, you know, it's more about our processes than it is about building some complex technology to suit what we need. Beautiful. And then if we move on to fulfillment, you mentioned earlier um, that you partnered with ShipIt. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about how that works? Yeah, well, I mean, it works really, really well at the moment. Um, ShipIt uh, is obviously one of our, our local homegrown success stories. And, and um, the benefit of having worked at City Beach for a little while was that we were kind of, we were part of that growth, the initial stages of that, of that growth. Um, and happy to say that, you know, aside from a couple of, gremlins which you know you'd expect from any new offering um it was really quite a quite a powerful solution for city beach um so yeah i i another one of those existing integrations that you can kind of take a box and and fire up within shopify um and the guys at at ship it are, are super engaged and they realize that you know a lot of people are coming to the table at the moment trying to figure out um some sort of online shop to, to kind of offset the losses that they're facing within the, the physical locations that they may have operated before. So, you know, I don't think that we were anything special in terms of that. I think that they're just genuinely there to help. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was the case for us and, and they continue to be a really great partner. So, you know, we take a box and we avail um, a bunch of different shipping options 
you know, we, we are looking down the barrel of offering liquor. We would hope at some point we have to figure out like some of the logistics around, well, do we need to have our delivery, our, our couriers have an RSA? Like, is that a thing? Do you have to check ID when you sell it or when you pick it? Like, there's a whole bunch of just like mm. questions that need to be answered, which we're working through now. But, you know, the benefit of something like ShipIt is that you can click a button and there is a solution availed within the platform that is exactly what we're, what we need in terms of the, the uh, fulfillment of that. So the guys have been also helping us trying to work through some of this, um, some of the complexities that are inherent in having our, our multi vendor, um, situation. So like, how does that work in terms of just, you know, mm-hmm. does everyone have an account? Do we have a parent account and their children of that account and that kind of stuff. So they've been really engaged and in, in super active in chatting through it. Cause I think, you know, they're seeing this as one of those good news stories as well. It, it really is one of those moments where you you could sit on your hands, but, you know, the fact that we're not mm-hmm. something that they want to support. So I appreciate all of the effort that they put in as well. That's awesome. And it's so good to see those relationships carry on across businesses as well, um, because it is really, especially in Australia, such a relationship business. There's no doubt that the COVID-19 pandemic has disrupted demand and supply chains and brought the economic recession forward. To help you cope and survive in this new reality, Shopify Plus and Jason Andrew from SBO Financial, who you might remember from a previous episode of Add to Cart, are hosting a webinar on May 5th on how to financially prepare your e-commerce business for a recession. In just one hour, you'll learn how to manage your cash flow in this environment how to improve your cash conversion cycle, and how to restructure your costs. Visit shopifyplus.online forward slash finance to register for the 5th of May at 1pm. Can't join live? No worries. Register anyway and Shopify Plus can send you the recording afterwards. Is the model around fulfillment, is it a ship from store using store stock that they've got or is all stock sitting in a warehouse in Brisbane? So it's a mix, to be honest. So they have our duty-free operator as uh, as an operator has all of these complex warehousing situations in order for them to comply with the rules and regulations that are governments that want their money. Um, yeah. So they've got bonded warehouses and a whole bunch of other security measures that need to go into that. So there, there's a there's some stock that's on a on the actual shop floor. Other things are in you know uh, kind of a lower grade secured warehouse and other things are in um, in a highly secure situation. So there's, there's a lot of product moving around <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, multiple, multiple pick locations and some it's in, in none of it's designed um, in the way that you would expect if you were a typical e-commerce uh, solution provider. So there's not like a, there's not like a big long row of, of shelves with pick locations. And then in, you know, all of those pick locations are loaded into a pick gun that you go and, you know, you build out. It's it's kind of like Susan gets a printout and walks down to the shop and picks up, you know, item A and then walks over to the bonded warehouse, passing through all of the necessary security precautions to pick up item B. So it's um it's quite a complex situation to kind of pivot from uh what would normally be stock on floor, stock, you know, replenished from warehouse at, you know, key intervals to you know, you're, you're going to be wandering around through, you know, maybe up to five different locations in order for you to, to pick all of the correct stuff to put it into a, a tote to yeah. send out to a customer. So, and we would expect that to be even, you know, 
you can imagine the, the, the amplification of complexity as you start to add on, you know, maybe five other retailers who have, you know, stuff, stuff in a, in a shop in, in their respective warehouses or coolers, or whatever. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we're not the, 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 the end game has not been realized. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and it's fascinating to get those insights from you about behind the scenes in terms of how that's set up and duty and the rest, because if you go onto the site, it's a very neat site and um, you can tell it's an MVP site. It's a neat site. It's a functional site, but it doesn't look very complicated. But when you start hearing you talk about some of the challenges that you've had behind the scenes, I can imagine there's been hours and hours spent on that and less so much, less so on the front end. Yeah, and I think that's probably f- for those that don't really know what goes into this. I mean, like, again, we've had a few people kind of on this for, you know, the better part of a month, maybe a little bit, little bit longer now. And, and it's kind of like, it's a, a bit of a passion project as well. I don't think that you would get the kind of result that we got if people didn't really care. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a testament to kind of the team and, and the people that have probably really stepped outside of their comfort zone to do things that they were never trained to do, or they're not really, it's not on their job description. Let's put it that way. So I think um, we're kind of pushing into new areas and in that the level of collaboration that we've seen across, you know, the departments, but also with our, our retailers and then that kind of response that we've gotten from the community is, is really kind of, it's kind of heartwarming in that, you know, it, it started with my boss having a, a, a really good idea um, and him, you know, having a really good relationship with the rest of the organization for them to trust him, for him to trust us, for our retailers to trust us, for my team to trust me, and then for a bunch of suppliers to kind of really come to the table and help us out, whether, you know, they came to the table because their solution just out of the box worked for us or if they've helped us navigate some of it just you know in terms of our our level of maturity with using their product like it, it's mm. it's kind of it sounds really cheesy but it, it kind of puts the mm. biggest smile on my face uh, and i said this to the guys like you know we were doing like significant numbers in terms of city beach you know daily revenue like just you know i'm not going to go into the specifics mm. but let, let's put it that way it's it's not inconsequential and then i i, I was saying to the guys like i actually think that i got more of more of a, a thrill out of selling one iPad to one internal team member like a few weeks ago than I had in the previous few years of kind of going through the through, through the process with City Beach because it was so normalized for us and, and there were so many talented people that really knew what they were doing at City Beach that um, it was almost a given that things would work and it was really by exception that things um, needed to be addressed. You've changed, man. You've changed, man. You've gone all soft. You've gone all I soft. Know. On what have I got? What have I become? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, no, no listen to this and they realize just how soft I've become. But, you know, I think it's, it's really kind of it's exciting. Like, it, it's kind of like a startup, right? And I think um, having worked through a couple of startups, it, it brought back some of that thrill that we're just trying to do some stuff. And it's not going to be perfect. And, and I admit that, you know, to your point, like, We've gone out there with 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 a standard template, and even uh, the Oz Bargain crew weighed in on the fact that they were a bit nervous because it looked like someone kind of put this together pretty quickly. And I, you know, I was the first on there saying like, "Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> we did." So thanks very much, but like, please buy an iPhone. So um, <laughs> we're kind of we're 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 taking it to the market. We're going to make sure that it works, and then you know whether we we revisit this. You know, well, we definitely will revisit it at some point, but like just where we take it will kind of be dictated by the kind of response we get from the market and what kind of permission we get from that market to continue growing it. Um, and so, you know, time will tell if at some point people just really get tired of the idea of shopping with us 
I don't think they will, but you know, if this is not something that they're interested in, the market will tell us and we'll have to pivot back to physical retail yeah. again. So what can you tell us about the initial results? So you've said that you've got up and running, the MVP up and running in 16 days. Um, can you tell us how much it's cost you and the type of results you've seen so far? Yeah, for sure. The The MVP itself was really kind of, uh, I think we all in spent just under $400. It was about, I'm going to say it was $395. And that was mostly just kind of, setting up some of the very basics and to your point like the the fees associated with the platform itself are a monthly thing and it kind of takes some time to 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 see those come in but it was all internal we had a, a couple of little little moments where we needed a bit of assistance but really everything that we needed was catered for within the platform and within that $400 envelope and so the the initial results so the site's been live uh I'm in a ballpark like maybe just over 2 weeks closer to 3 we weren't really selling anything in earnest for the first little while. So if we take that in half, we're well into the six figures in terms of sales. Brilliant. So um, it's it, the the response has been great. And, and there's no doubt the the benefit of, of um, having some pretty sought after product in a, in a time when all of the people that are at home are looking for it. It's probably no bad thing. Um, and I think that that's probably two, two things. One, you know, thank, thank you to our, our tenant, the operator that, you know, we are selling their product on behalf of because it's kind of them at the, at the helm in terms of the pricing of that product and kind of what we can make available, but also um, to a greater degree, the confidence that the brand that the airport has established over the years um, gives, you know, the, the confidence that people have that, you know, the airport is the airport. Like you, you, you don't expect it a shop. It, it's once you think about it, it probably isn't that foreign an idea that we have a, an online store. Um, but it's also a brand that you kind of trust and, and it's probably wrong. And I'll probably not make too many friends by suggesting that we're kind of government adjacent. We're, we're kind of an infrastructure We're we're an essential part of the Brisbane community. Um, we're not going anywhere. So it's not like you're buying from Joe's electronics and all of a sudden Joe takes off to the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. So I think that people, once they start, start to understand that really the kind of the reason that we put it in the site as we have as opposed to creating a new thing was the fact that we realized that this could be, this could be viewed in, in from a, a, a bunch of different lenses. Um, and the, the lack of maturity of the site may be excused by the fact that we're trying something new, but also um, bolstered by the idea that we've got, you know, the Brisbane airport and the, the Brisbane airport corporation to bolster the confidence within the, the, the consumers community. Absolutely. Mike, I think what you've done here in terms of getting an MVP up uh, within 16 days for $400 is a remarkable effort and uh, full credit to yourself, uh, your team and your, your leadership team as well um, in getting this live and supporting your retail tenants um, and retail partners as well. I think it's a fantastic um, example of supporting each other um, in getting through this. So well done on that. Um, and I hope that today uh, some of the learnings that you've had and shared um, help other businesses who might be looking to go online, have never kind of played in the space before um, as businesses, but can now see that it is possible to get up and running um, in terms of an MVP pretty quickly, fairly easily. Obviously, the hard work is now to come in terms of driving those from an MVP into a fully sustainable business model. But getting up and running um, can be done relatively quick and relatively easily. So thank you very much for your sharing today. No, not at all. And, and I, I would encourage if anybody has any any comments or questions, please just, you know, I'm, I'm a LinkedIn 
No, I wouldn't say aficionado. More, more a little bit of a bit of a whore. But I'm happy to to connect with anybody that might be listening, and, and if they want to chat, I don't know how much expertise I can I can avail to some of the more sophisticated people, or you know how much motivation I can provide to the lower ones. But I think you know it's. It, I think if you can figure out a way of trying, you should try. Like what whatever state you're in, you know. Sometimes you know my boss is pretty good about saying you know just. Just give it a go, right? So I think that, you know, getting shit done is probably a, a nice mantra to work by. And we don't know where this is going to go and we don't know how far it's going to stretch. But I think that, you know, the reality is that no one knows what the future holds. So if you, if you can focus on the here and now and get something done today, you know, the future kind of starts to change as you form. So, you know, you, you pick the path that you want. You, you, it's almost like, you know, drive the car that kind of best suits the position you want, you know, like pick, pick your path and make it happen. Yeah. Awesome, mate. And, and the proof is in the action. So well done on that. Before I let you go, I'm going to ask you our final five quick fire questions. Can you give us your quick response to the following questions? We're going to learn a little, we're going to learn a little bit about Mike here. What is the weirdest thing you've ever bought online? The weirdest thing that I've bought online. I have bought a Mate tea set. I don't know if you, so Mate is like this kind of, South American tea thing that has this crazy level of caffeine. So I figured that I'd dip my toe into that. Keep me awake. Awesome. Who's your favorite retailer? Well, if I didn't say City Beach, I'd be, I'd be, yeah, honestly mine. But, um, no, I've got, I've got a a wide range of different ones. I actually just bought, um, some Under Armour gear stuff, which I like is kind of like pseudo military stuff for my, my, uh, my, uh, you know, as I run around paramilitary yeah. style, walking the dogs every morning. So yeah. that was kind so of fun. But yeah, yeah. Get jacked up on coffee and then uh, go for a run. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Watch out. Uh, which retail fad do you wish was history? Uh, man, I like, I don't know. I think the idea of pop-ups like still drives me mm-hmm. a little bit nuts. The interrupting of someone's of someone's experience in a, in a really awkward way. So, you know, some people do them nicely, but, you know. Yep. Still struggle with it. Cool. A uh, book or a podcast that you recommend our listeners should get into? Uh, well, again, a little bit. Well, Mar- Malcolm Gladwell, mm. like as a fellow Canadian, like can't recommend like enough any of this stuff. Outliers is probably one of my favorite um, favorite ones. I've listened to probably that uh, a few times. And there's some just absolute moments of like, oh, yeah, that's super cool. And just thinking about things differently. So he also has a podcast called Revisionist History. Yeah, super into that. So I think like anything that he does, I wish one day I could meet. It's probably one of my uh, my life goals is to meet Malcolm Gladwell. And being Canadian is probably not that unachievable, but um, you know, one day. So if you get him on, let me know. Happy to co-host. Right. I, I I thought that going on Add to Cart would be the pinnacle, but you know, we'll let that one slide. It was, but now I've done it, so I have to. <laughs> All right, and finish this sentence. The future of retail is tomorrow. I think, hey. yeah. Hey, well, I actually genuinely think it's a hybrid. Future of retail is a hybrid model, so it's you know endless aisle. It's you know, yeah. It's a it's a small format retail store with an endless selection, you know, catering for your needs. So, but it is yeah. it is it's today actually. Future is happening right now. The number of businesses that are transforming in light of COVID-19, you know, what, what was the, the driver for your digital revolution? Like 90% of them are going to be saying, <laughs> you know, COVID-19. <laughs> so it's probably one that we can use for a little while. You mean it's not going to be that 600 page business case we did before this? Yeah. Well, 
Hopefully, yeah. that, hopefully, hopefully, some of those make sense now. But yeah, probably not. Right? Awesome, Mike. Really appreciate your time, and congratulations again on, on what you guys have achieved in such such a small small window of time, and, and how you've been able to support um, your partners as well. Um, thank you very much. Andy. No, not at all. Good luck uh, beyond the MVP. Well, just just as a as a secret tale for your listeners only. We're already starting to work up a couple of other ideas in the in the background to support our retailers, which include a virtual retail forum and a podcast. So I might be turning to you oh. for some insights and some tips about how to do it. Maybe you can actually be one of my guests if you if you'd be willing to to jump Let over me to know the other side. More than happy to be. All right, More so listeners, if you want to tune in, um, you know, just listen to Ad Ad Descartes, and we'll. Uh, We'll do a bit of sharing at some future point. Beautiful, Mike. How can you've already mentioned people can contact you on LinkedIn? Any other way that they can contact you? Um, so they can definitely uh, carry a pigeon or email. So michael.doyle at bne.com.au. Please do not send me uh, offers of support uh, for around Google AdWords or you know improving my SEO. I've noticed that you could improve your SEO. Uh, we do know that, and we are working on <laughs> it. An MVP. But yeah, please, please reach out uh, LinkedIn or email. That's probably the best because calling me will probably find a busy signal. And where can they check out Marketplace? If you go to Brisbane Airport website, it's the fastest way, ene.com.au. And from there, you will find a link to it. So it's, you know, keeps everybody nice and safe because there's a whole bunch of weird things if you type in anything other than that. <laughs> but you can find at bne.com.au. Scroll down a little bit and you can find Shop Now. Beautiful. Thank you very much, Mike. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you. From nothing to a six-figure MVP in 16 days. The big insight for me was to focus on working through business complexities. And for every business, they're different. In Mike's case, there were duties, fulfillment processes, and stakeholder onboarding. These really set the foundations for success. You can always come back and pay more attention to design, payment options, expanded ranges, all things that can be improved over time, but can be a huge time suck in the early days. Remember, your e-commerce site is the baby that you give birth to, but you never stop feeding. You've got to focus attention on those foundational enablers and get the pretty stuff right as you go. We're going to have all the links available for you in the show notes. Make sure you check out the Brisbane Marketplace. If you want to keep up to date with Add to Cart, head over to addtocart.com.au and sign up to our newsletter. We'll alert you when new episodes are available and give you the summarized versions for when you can't listen straight away. Until next time, thanks for listening and keep adding to cart. Cart.